Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Merlin Cast, episode 11. We are reco- recording this podcast on July 2nd, 2012. We have some excellent things prepared for you today. Uh, just so it turns out that the other boys couldn't be on today, so it looks like it's Aaron and Courtney Woo! and Sarah. Yeah, that's right. A little overpowered, yeah. but we'll see how this goes. It's about time. Um... We've got a great show ready. Uh, we have lots of news and a recap and then some great segments. So looking forward to it. There's a chance we could be joined by some other people during the show, but you never know what might happen. I think Andrew's fighting a fire right now. My name's Aaron Millard. My name's Courtney Catadella. And I'm Sarah Sutherland. All right. So let's get right to it. Recently, there was a press release about comic-con 2012 and the merlin panel was announced um and there's some pretty big names colin morgan's gonna be there you know he's kind of important to merlin and katie mcgrath so we have merlin and morgana and then they also said that julian murphy and johnny caps who are two of the creators of the show um they will also be there on the panel and they said there'll be some surprise guests there Uh, i'd guess that there'll be at least one or two nights um and who knows who else could be there. They usually have at least five people there from what I've seen in the past. So it's pretty awesome. And I really wish I could get down there and see it because it's going to be pretty sweet. And there's always so many good like shows and movies that attend that. And you get to meet like some of the biggest actors around. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> where, do you guys know where it's taking place? San Diego? Yes, yeah, right? San Diego Convention Center so. where it's always been taking place. Have you ever been, no. Sarah? I, my cousins always go to Comic Con, but I, I never get to go. Like it's always a sad point because I just never get to go. <laughs> um, and now that I don't live like you need now to I go. don't live like two hours away from San Diego. I live ten hours away from San Diego, so it's kind of not. Oh wow! Like it, w- it wouldn't be worth it though. I really one day, one day I will go, and it will be fun. One day. Uh... <laughs> One day we'll hire you as our reporter, and you can go and do a special report Sounds for us. Good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they're doing. I, I was looking it up. Uh, yeah, it was all. Sorry, sorry go they're ahead. doing like a signing too, where um, Colin Morgan and Katie yeah. are going to be signing autographs, and I was like, oh darn, I really wish I could go, but someday. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome, and they also announced that there's going to be sneak peeks like video clips of the new season going on during the um panel for merlin as well as they announced that there will be a new merlin youtube channel that will be going on um it'll be going on youtube soon and what it's going to have is behind the scenes footage and deleted scenes and stuff like that from the new season so it's kind of just going to be like a a channel that'll complement the new episodes and it's going to be pretty cool, I think, because you get to get more of an inside look on the whole thing. Um, oh, and I forgot that they're also going to have a new blooper reel that they release at Comic-Con, which I don't know if you guys have ever watched those on YouTube or anywhere yeah. before, um, but they're usually pretty Multiple funny. times. <laughs> yeah, they are really funny. Yeah. So seeing one, I'm assuming probably from season four. Well, has that one been released? The blooper reel? It was released at last year's Comic-Con. I'm not sure. It was released in 2012, or 2011. Oh, okay. So this will be the season five. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> I see. Alrighty. 
So, yeah, that's all pretty cool stuff. Uh, there was another news release that the Game of Thrones star, John Bradley, um, is guest starring on an episode of Merlin, and he's playing Tyre Seward, I'm guessing. I'm not sure how you'd say that, but uh, I don't... I've never watched Game of Thrones, and I plan on watching it, but I know it's a really good show, so it's kind of cool to see a crossover, um, especially since both shows are kind of medieval, and I'm once I think I watch more Game of Thrones, I think I'll have gained more of an appreciation for this, but do you guys have any thoughts? Cool. <laughs> um, I've never seen the show. Cool. <laughs> I don't really know what it's about, but I think it's cool for John Bradley to be guest starring yeah. in it. I feel I feel like with like the picture that they showed or whatever, I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see what he plays and what role he has. But yeah. Um I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. Other than that, there was a production still released for the new season. Um, As always, Merlin Official, the Twitter of Merlin, has given us something that really, I don't know, not to be harsh, but it's kind (laughs) of lame. Um, It's just a picture and uh, you can look on uh, Twitter if you want to see it it's a picture of Merlin sitting up against a tree wearing the same thing he always has and uh, there's a bunch of flowers around him but I don't know I feel like they should at least tease like some new things that might be happening in the next season instead of just putting pictures that I mean that could have been from season one and we wouldn't have known the difference (laughs) so uh, it's kind of a disappointment in my opinion but do you guys have any thoughts Probably, like, a poster or something will be shown at Comic-Con. I imagine that's probably what will happen. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably hear the tagline or something of that nature, right? <laughs> so, I think, I just think more news is going to pick up once Comic-Con hits and then as we get closer to, like, Season 5. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that Comic-Con is a really awesome forum for shows like Merlin, which are well-known, but not, like, you know, super, super well-known. So, um, I don't know. I think that we're going to have a lot to talk about after that happens. And it's awesome that they're getting um, Colin and Katie to, you know, be there. Right. So, it's very exciting for fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Sarah, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about? Um, sure. There's... There's a couple of um, more photos released about on the set. They're total paparazzi photos, but basically it's a lot of props and character spoilers. Um, I must say the costumes look really good, (laughs) especially Guinevere's dress is just really gorgeous. But um, it's just, yeah, it's just more to get excited about that, you know, it's still going on, that stuff is actually happening, and that season five is coming closer. Right. Okay. Looks like we can get right into our recap then. And Sarah, if you want to start us out, we're covering season four, episode 13, the sword in the stone part two. Yep. So the episode begins right where we left off almost literally with the same kind of shot. And, um, Merlin, Guinevere, Arthur, and Tristan and Isolde are running away from Eldor, um, and they run towards some caves, and Merlin's 
obviously he grew up around this area, so he knows these caves pretty well. Um, but he falls behind, and then he calls on the great dragon and asks um, and for him to come to their aid and um, sort of burn <laughs> Agravain's men. Um, and so the dragon comes, and he um, shoots fire, and Agravain and everyone gets um, taken cover, and you see later that most of most of Agravain's like army or the people, um, the henchmen that he had with him are pretty much dead, <laughs> and Agravain and a couple of other people are the only survivors. Anyway, so Merlin catches up with Arthur in the caves, and um, there's a little uh, interchange between Arthur and Merlin, and Arthur's like, I don't believe you that uh, Agravain and them are not on our tail, but he, he's just like, well, I got rid of him, so it's okay. But then also Merlin's a little unsure of where he's supposed to go, and Arthur's like worried that they're going to get lost forever in the caves. Um, anyway, so Agravain runs to the caves after the great dragon appears again, and um, it just shoots back and forth between them. And we hear Tristan talking to Arthur, and, but really throughout the entire episode, Tristan is like really making it known that he dislikes Arthur and dislikes rich people and um, the nobility of Camelot. But you hear Gwen sticking up for him, but you can also see that it's also kind of getting in, um, getting to Arthur. So, Agravain is still following them, and Merlin decides to fall back again, and, um, there's a little Merthyr moment where Arthur tells Merlin, don't do anything stupid. Um, so he goes back, and Merlin and Agravain have a little confrontation. Um, and he finally blows back Agravain because he's about to charge and all of his other men are completely knocked out or dead, we don't know. But Agravain um, comes to and it's revealed that um, he has magic. And so um, Agravain puts two and two together and figures out that Merlin is Emerus. And um, then he tries to manipulate Merlin and say that Agravain and him are pretty much alike because they're both deceiving Arthur. Anyway, so Agravain pulls out a knife and Merlin blows him back with his magic and he kills him. And it's kind of interesting because this is kind of the first kill that Merlin has had with magic. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you see this shot as he turns around and he looks slightly anguished and there's like little tears in his eyes. Um, but he's just like, okay, I I had to kill him because he knew my secret. It was a necessary death, but you still yeah. see that he's not okay with it. Anyway, so it goes back to I thought to it the... was... Uh... Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was kind of... Uh... It was a really good scene, in my opinion. I mean, I wish he kind of killed him in a different way with some other magic. But, like, <laughs> just the fact like that Agravain got to find out that Merlin had magic and then got to be killed by it, because... Everyone was so sick of Agravain and so ready for him to die, so it was the best way I think they could have done it. Either that or if Arthur killed him, but it was pretty cool to have Merlin reveal it to someone, because whenever he does reveal it, which is very rare that he does, um, it's always a big moment in the series, in my opinion, so I really enjoyed this scene. I did too. Um, question, was it Gaius or Merlin that killed Dimwe in season one? It was Merlin, he struck her down with lightning. Which is actually one of the cooler uh, spells he used, and I haven't seen anything like it since, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, true. true I was just wondering. So, technically, this isn't his first kill, but it's kind of his first kill of, like, a human instead of a magical right. person. Anyway. Okay. So, <laughs> Arthur hears something, and um, he decides to go back, and Tristan's like, oh, you'd go back for a servant, and Gwen sticks up for Arthur again, and she just says, you were wrong about him. Anyway, so Arthur runs into Merlin, and um, they continue to go out of the tunnels. And so then they decide where they want to go, and Arthur is kind of already showing the signs of insecurity, like we should go, he says that we should, um, they should go to a different kingdom, or they should run away from Camelot, but Merlin says, no, we should run towards Camelot because there are survivors, and um, if there are, like, if there are any survivors, they would hide in this um, forest. So they decide to go back um, to Camelot. Anyways, it cuts back uh, to Gwen and Elion and Gaius, who are starving in the prison, um, and we just see Gwen getting really tired, and... Um, He's being forced to fight again and again against Mor- um, against Morgana's men, and she's making it increasingly harder for him. And without food, we don't know how how long they're pretty much, how long they're going to last. So um, they are uh, back to Arthur and Merlin. Um, that entire group they're back into the forest, and Tristan just keeps taunting him and saying that. Um, you know, you're you're pretty much you're, there's nothing special about you. You um, aren't a king anymore, and so you know you should like you're just nothing special. And Arthur kind of just you can see that he's really taking what Tristan says, and he kind of walks away from the group. And Guinevere follows him, and um, probably with the intention to comfort him, but they have a confrontation, and Arthur says that um, they will never be the same again. And Gwen just starts crying, and she apologizes. Anyway, so it goes back to um, Camelot again, and Gaius is, like, getting ready to die and talking about how he's a physician, so he knows, like, the life cycle, and he's preparing himself to um, basically just not be around there anymore, and um, so he's basically, like, self-sacrificing himself to give food to Gwen because Gwen's going to have to fight again. Um, so it just kind There's of one just... one thing I'm not afraid of, it's death. <laughs> yeah, don't give me food. I love She's guys. She's so solemn. Oh, man. <laughs> She's just I... ready to go. Just have... backs up my argument from last time. <laughs> or no, I said he'd say. But still. He's yeah. just giving up. It's kind of funny, <sighs> like, I was kind of low-key laughing at this scene just because Gaius was so... It was almost kind of corny in a sense, but I mean it was totally in his character, but it was just kind of like, oh, I'm giving up. I'm done. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> thought he was going happen. to die. Really? I didn't think so. I thought so. he was going to die in this episode. Oh. No, when I first watched I definitely thought he was going down. I was like, oh god, Gaius, this is not yeah. the right time to no, die. I knew it. I knew in my gut, like, I, I, I'm, yeah, I didn't think he was going to die. Just because, like, Arthur and Merlin were, like, walking back, and I was like, he's going to be okay. I mean, yeah, he's just going to be okay. Anyway, so, um, it goes, sorry, cuts back again to Arthur and Merlin, and they are having another campfire talk. And, basically, Arthur is just confiding in Merlin about how he's completely lost faith in himself, 
um, and in his ability to lead as a king, um, he's just talking about how he's been tr he's been portrayed three times with, you know, Morgana and Agravain, um, and Gwen, obviously, but he's just at a very low point right now, and even every attempt that Merlin has to try to cheer him up and try to have Arthur believe in himself again, he's just being cynical and just, you know, completely cutting off, like, and um, replying in a negative response to everything. And he's just ready to give up the throne. So Merlin doesn't know what to do, so he calls on the great dragon to talk. And he explains to the dragon that Arthur has lost his faith. Um, and the great dragon basically just says, Merlin, it's up to you to have him gain that confidence back again because the fate of the kingdom is resting on your shoulders. So, uh, Merlin gets this idea of how to restore Arthur's confidence, and he orders the dragon to go and find the remaining survivors, um, and bring them back, um, or bring them to where they are. And so, Merlin decides to wake up Arthur early in the morning and takes him for a walk. And he begins to tell of a legend to Arthur of how, um, the original five kings were, um, fighting and how the land was completely thrown into chaos, and Arthur's just kind of like, I already know the story, you don't need to tell me, can I go back to sleep, I'm tired. But Merlin changes the legend a little bit, and includes the tale of the sword and the stone. And he talks about how King Ruther, who was the first in line of Arthur, or of the Pendragon line, how he thrust his sword into a rock. And that the only uh, only a true king of Camelot would be able to pull the sword out of the rock. And Arthur just kind of laughs and says, "Well, that's just a legend. I mean, no one's been able to find it." And Merlin says, "Well, I did find the rock." And he leads him to um, Excalibur, the sword Excalibur, in um, the stone that Merlin previously placed it in. Anyway, so. Um, as Merlin's trying to convince Arthur to pull the sword out of the stone, um, the remaining Camelot villagers and um, knights come, and they all surround him, and Arthur's like, That's, that sword's been in that rock for like a whole, like for a very long time. There's no way that I'm able to get it out. And he tries, but Merlin just says that you have to believe Arthur. And so he tries and he fails, but then... Arthur, like, takes a moment and takes a firmer grip on the sword, and Merlin releases the sword as Arthur pulls up, and everyone is amazed, and they shout, long live the king. It was a great yeah. scene. Um, that was, was such a great scene. <laughs> such a great scene. Oh, my gosh. That's probably my favorite. Um, after that, it, like, leaves that awesome, amazing scene. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And it goes back to the castle in Camelot, and um, Helios is telling Morgana about, like, Agravain and his men, how they've all been destroyed by, like, fire and the dragon, and how they're just dead. And Morgana, she's a pretty smart cookie, she realizes that um, the only one who really has control over a dragon is Emerus. And I always find it so interesting that he's really the only thing that can inspire any kind of fear in her, and she is just terrorized by the thought of Emerus. Um, so we go back to 
Arthur and the other people of Camelot and the knights in the forest. And Arthur is forming a strategy. Um, and he says, like, his people are going to, you know, fight for Camelot, but Sir Leon tells him that that's not really what they're fighting for. They're fighting for Arthur. And, um, luckily, um, Tristan is right there, and he kind of hears that all the people, like, all of the knights and even, you know, Merlin, Arthur's servant, would die for him. Um, or they say, like, to the mouth of hell. They would go to the mouth of hell for... Arthur, um, which is really touching that he can inspire that kind of loyalty. Um, and there's this really nice scene after this um, between Isolde and Gwen, when Gwen is kind of standing there and Isolde and Tristan are having this really lovey-dovey moment, and Gwen's looking at Arthur and she's just has a lot of like sadness about her, and Isolde um, kind of tells you know Gwen not to give up hope because you know, love is really strong, or she says something with that general, that generalness, yeah. Um, so Merlin and Arthur after this talk about Morgana, and um, Merlin kind of brings up the legend of the sword in the stone again, and Arthur's kind of like, oh my gosh, um, like, can you stop? But Merlin's just getting a little bit sassier with him, and he's telling him, like, can you just be quiet for once? It's like the second time he said that, which is pretty funny in my opinion. Um, and he, you know, he tells Arthur that he's going to be, like, the greatest king that um, Albion has ever seen, and he's going to really unite the land. And um, Arthur is kind of like, are you just making this up? Like, why are you saying this? And Merlin's like, I wouldn't make it up. Your head's already bigger than your waist, which, you know, is a dig. And it's just really <laughs> funny. I don't know. Um, but, I don't know, Merlin is always so loyal, no matter how bad Arthur treats him. Um, and he just always kind of tells Arthur how much he believes in him. Um, so, after that, Merlin... Um, like, Arthur's fretting because he's like, okay, well, we can fight them sword to sword, but Morgana, we can't, we can't fight her power. Um, so Merlin sneaks into Camelot disguised as, um, Emerus in, like, the dead of night before they're going, before, like, the original people of Camelot are going to come in and retake the city. And, um, Morgana catches a peek of Emerus and... She is so freaked out, um, but he goes into her room and puts some sort of, like, spell on a doll under her bed. It's like a voodoo doll kind of thing. I don't know. Um, and we don't really see how that plays into things until a little bit later on in the episode. Um, so we see, like, this, you know, the doll under her bed, and then, um, we go back to the forest, and um, Tristan and these old are, you know, talking, and they decide that they're going to stick with Arthur and fight with him, kind of because 
of the loyalty that they've seen from the knights in Merlin and just kind of like the love that Arthur inspires. They kind of decide he's actually not that bad of a king, which is good because they're right. He's not that bad of a king. Um, and Gwen, um, like during this whole thing, Gwen and Arthur have a little conversation. It's more one-sided than anything because Gwen just kind of flies by him and is like, you know, I never stopped loving you. Which is nice. I mean, we all could see that coming, but it's fine. Um, and they, alright, at this point, it's like high energy scene when they all get together and the Knights of Camelot and Arthur and some, you know, other random people like Tristan and Isolde begin to take Camelot back. And you know, they, they sneak in, they do it a really sneaky way, kinda of through the back door. They don't they don't really charge until the alarm bell is being rung. Um and like Gaius and Gwen and Elian, they get freed by Percival and Leon and um Arthur, Gwen, Merlin and Tristan and Isolde make it all the way to the throne room where Morgana and Helios are. Um, and it's just them, that's it, but, um, Arthur and Morgana are finally face-to-face, -face, and it's been a while, and, you know, Arthur, the look on his face is just kind of, like, sad, like, he's just disappointed, and he looks at Morgana, and he's like, why, like, I thought we were friends, why are you doing this? And she said that she thought they were friends too, but that she was very mistaken, and he kind of tells her, like, you can't punish me for Uther, like, what Uther did, and she kind of says, like, I'm punishing you because you don't like magic either. And, um, in the end, they both kind of come to the conclusion that, like, they are not that different from their father. Um, and at this point Morgana's, like, done using her words. She's just finished, and she wants to use her powers a little bit, because she likes doing that, clearly. Um, and she, like, goes to, like, be all magical, and there is no <laughs> magic. Um, there's just nothing that's coming out of those eyes that usually light up. Um... <laughs> Her powers have been stopped by the voodoo doll that Merlin put under her bed, because he's a sneaky <laughs> little guy. Um, but I don't know what spell it was or anything like that. It's just like he bound her powers somehow. So she runs away, and um, Gwen and Merlin go after her, while Tristan, old and Arthur are fighting Helios and the other um, nameless faces that Helios controls. Um, so it comes down to it, and Arthur and Helios are dueling. Oh, wait, nope, that's actually not it yet. Um, so um, Morgana is running away from the situation of her lack of magic, and she gets stabbed, and she gets injured, which is very important for the end of the episode. Um, <coughs> Spoilers. But um, Helios and Arthur are dueling in the throne room, and Arthur um, is losing, basically. He's gonna get killed 
by Helios. It's just gonna happen. But instead, Isolde stabs Helios in the back. But his last act before he died was to stab her. Um, and she dies. It's sad. And I don't remember if that happens in Arthur in, like, the regular story of Tristan and Isolde, but Isolde dies. Um, and then we go back to the situation, the sticky situation between Morgana and Gwen, because they're having a sword fight, and, um, I don't know, Gwen's kind of like, why do you hate me so much? And Morgana basically says, I don't hate you, I just hate what you're going to become. And by that she means that she's had visions of Gwen becoming Queen of Camelot, and Morgana believes that she is entitled to that, so that's not good. Um, Morgana is going to beat Gwen at this point, but Merlin saves the day with his magic, because his still works. Ha ha. And um, he blows Morgana backwards because he's really good at that he's really good at that one and um she kind of disappears then um Gwen and Merlin then go back to the throne room together and see Isolde dying and Arthur's crying and him and Gwen make eye contact and this is when you know that their situation is going to get turned around because they just see this, like, terrible scene of, like, love and loss and loss of love. And they realize they don't want that for themselves. Um, so later on, when, you know, the castle is coming back to normal, Arthur and Gwen have a talk. And, um, Arthur proposes to Gwen. And she says yes. And it's a beautiful scene. And they kiss. And then the next scene is, you know, Gwen's coronation. And Arthur, you know, puts that crown on her head, slaps it on there. Everyone says, long live the queen. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, I teared up a little the first time I watched it, but I always do that. Um, oh, wow, newsflash. Merlin is wearing a different <laughs> outfit in this one. Actually, I think it's the same outfit, but he's wearing, like... A red jacket, which is kind of nice instead of like the little brown one. So I was very impressed with him. I thought he looked sharp. I don't know about you guys, but um, he I think he should make that his new his new wardrobe. I mean, he's looking like a slob right now. He's the king's servant for goodness sake. Um, He didn't. He really didn't get any clothes when he became Arthur's servant. He just wore the same clothes that he wore in the old time. It's just funny to me. I mean, he looks fine. It's Colin Morgan. He looks yeah, fine true. anyway, but I don't know. I just liked the jacket. <laughs> um, so, after this, there's a scene, and it's the final scene, with Morgana in the woods. I don't know how she got there. It's like a plot hole, but somehow she, like, pulled a Harry Potter move and, like, apparated <laughs> into the woods. And, um... She's, like, really struggling to survive. She was wounded in battle, and she is dying. But the little white dragon, I can't say the name, I think it's Adusa. Adusa or something. But... We've had that debate. Um, Adusa. Yeah, I don't even know. He, um, 
he he turns up and he actually uses his dragon breath to revive her. Um, usually you would think dragon breath would like be so bad it would knock you out, but he's magical, so there you go. Um, and Morgana is just staring up at him, probably thinking, oh my god, this is the cutest little thing I've ever seen, but also, wow, this just saved my life. And then it goes to the whole Merlin will return thing, which just bothers me because I don't want it to return. I want it to be there now. <laughs> like, the next season's just too far away. For real. But, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Great. That was the end job. of the episode. So, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, I guess I'll start out. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a great episode, and I think it really did a great job of ending the season. Uh, There's some really big moments that I really enjoyed, and I'd have to say I'd probably rate this one like a 9.4. So, I thought it was really good. Um,. There's a couple things I really liked. One of the biggest things was all the scenes where Tristan was seen kind of in the background or to the side, listening in on Arthur's conversations, and just watching him slowly realize that Arthur was a different kind of king and really a great king. I I thought those were really cool scenes because it really said a lot about Arthur's character, and especially since someone that was so set against nobility um, was able to turn around their opinion and end up fighting um, for him, so I thought those were really cool scenes. I love the sorted in the stone scene. Um, it was it was really I think really special, and they did a great job of of doing that whole thing. Um, I know it wasn't exactly how it is in Arthurian legend, but it worked out for how they did it. I thought. Um, I know some people weren't happy about it, but you guys both liked it for the most part. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was a little, like, it was a little disappointing that it wasn't exactly to Arthurian legend. Um, I think one little thing that could have been changed is that Merlin could have cast a spell on the stone, or on the sword, that it could only respond to Arthur's touch and he can only pull it out instead of Merlin kind of being there and doing it. it, Because it just takes away from how Arthur is a true king, right? I just thought it took away from it a little bit, but, um, no, I love that scene. It's my favorite scene of this episode. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with that. I think that it was really good. I liked it. I didn't really have any problems with it. I mean, I do kind of wish that Arthur had been actually able to pull it out by himself without any magical assistance, but I get it. Merlin was a big part of his, um, his reign, so that makes sense. Yeah. Let's see. Overall, I'd say my favorite scene was probably... Ah, it's so hard, this episode, because there's so many good parts to it. I really enjoyed um when they entered the chambers and Morgana was about to cast some magic and she couldn't. I thought it was really funny um, <laughs> just to see them all like kind of sit there and wonder what she was doing because nothing was happening. and Funny for Merlin. And I always love... Uh, when Merlin turns into Emrys. I don't Me know why, too. but I think he's really funny when he's Emrys. And you Me didn't get to see too. a ton of it, but he's he's just a character. And he's able to be himself because he doesn't have to worry about being caught, so that was pretty <laughs> cool. Um and favorite actor actress. I don't know. This is a hard one. I feel like uh 
I'll have to I'll have to come back to you guys on that. So if someone else wants to go now, I'll put some thought into that one. Courtney. All right. Um, I think that I would give this episode like, er, like an eight point nine. Honestly, like I really liked it, but it wasn't the finale that I wished that it was. Um, I mean. It reminded me a lot of, like, the previous times that um, Camelot's been invaded. And, you know, that I believe has happened in finales before. And as much as it was cool that Morgana was the one that did it this time, like, it just seemed a little bit, I don't know. It wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But then again, I still really liked it. 8.8, 8 8.9. Um... I would say my favorite scene was probably, um, I would actually say it was the look between Arthur and Gwen when, um, oh yeah, you can laugh, I know, I'm such a sucker for that (laughs) storyline, but, um, the look between Arthur and Gwen when Isolde is dying in Tristan's arms, I just think it's beautiful, and, um, it just kind of shows that, like, in the end, like, they are really meant to be together. And I was really happy that they didn't change that part of Arthurian legend because that would have been a big one. Um, and I don't know, I just really liked it. Um, favorite actor? I would go with Colin Morgan. I thought he did such a good job in this episode. Um, very impressed with him. Just acting as a really great support system for Bradley James' character, and I always think that his acting is great, though, and, I don't know, this time it just really stood out to me. He did a very, very good job, and I don't even understand how he can, like, speak, like, that dragon language and be convincing about it, because that's very impressive. And he does it while running. (laughs) Very impressive. Doesn't have to think about it. He does. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, That's so so good. Yeah. So my my rating for this episode, I give it a solid nine. Um, I really really enjoyed this episode. I remember first watching it, I was super stoked about it, and it was just kept me on my toes. And I love the all the action. I thought all the action sequences, even with the slow mo, was very epic and very cool. Um, and I love the story and how they try to, you know, intertwine, like, the traditional sword and the stone. Like, I thought that was very smart. And I, I enjoyed it, you know. I enjoyed this episode, you know, a lot. And the acting, of course, was amazing. Um, my favorite scene is when Merlin kicks Arthur awake and, <laughs> begin to, and begins to tell him about the legend. I just thought it was quite comical because Arthur is just like, I don't want to listen to your favorite bedtime story. But, um, and then, like, the scene after that when Arthur pulls the sword out of stone, like, it, that was just, it was such, it was, it's what we've been kind of waiting for, you know, Arthur is finally yeah. getting the sword Excalibur, and I just really enjoyed that scene. Um, second one, though, has to be the whole second proposal between <laughs> Arthur and Gwen and her coronation. It just, yeah, that was just, yay, they finally are together. Um... Favorite actor, also, is Colin Morgan. Um, I just love it. 
all his different faces and all his different, like, his eyes are just so convincing. Um, and especially with the whole scene with Agravain and when he kills Agravain and how, um, you know, he just, he was able to show, like, the anguish, but still show that it had to be done. Um, and also in a way kind of show his disappointment and hatred towards Agravain all in that one look. And so I have to give it to Colin Morgan because he's, and everything that he does, he's just so good. And with his facial expressions, it's just perfect. <laughs> Yeah. I definitely agree on that. And I think I'm going to have to say uh I really like Ben Daniels who played Tristan in this one. I think he did a good job of showing that uh his opinions were being changed cuz he really didn't speak a lot, but he he was shown quite often, you know, looking at them and listening in on things and you could just kind of see this kind of uh realization come across his face in a lot of those scenes. So it was pretty cool to see that and I thought he did a great job uh when is old died and it, it it just was a it was a sad moment but he did a good job of portraying it I guess so yep. yeah one other thing I wanted to say that I forgot about was I really love well I always love when our uh, Merlin calls on the dragon just because the whole thing his voice is so powerful when he does that it's really fascinating uh, and I really enjoy those scenes that actually was one of my favorite episodes the first time uh, he called the dragon during the last dragon lord episode because you didn't know what to expect and then when he did it it was just really powerful so i really enjoyed that but yeah great job everyone um we'll get right into the segments now uh we're gonna do we'll do another debate segment um the first one we'll do more of is as a discussion then there'll be a winner just because it's a pretty open-ended one that i don't think anyone can really have a solid opinion on just yet so courtney and sarah can discuss this one and we'll just kind of we'll do it the same as like a debate just uh each, each of you can argue one side and then um we can just discuss which one we think is uh probably the most reasonable one but there won't really be a winner so the first i guess issue or question that we have is whether or not the great dragon and um oh the good old dragon from one of our earlier podcasts Ayutsa, <laughs> or however you say it we could never really pronounce it correctly um whether or not they can be That's trusted not even kind of close though yeah i i don't know they, they only said it <laughs> once and it was mumbled so it was one of those impossible things but we saw in the end of this episode that uh the i'm just gonna call it the baby dragon came by and healed Morgana now whether or not it did that because it's an innocent dragon that had no idea that she was evil or I'm sure there's probably a higher meaning to it but they haven't revealed that yet so um I'm gonna actually ask Courtney what side are you looking for on this one I do not think they could be trusted okay and Sarah does the other one work for you or mm, I'll, I'll just give my opinion it's kind of the other side kind of not <laughs> It's, okay. It's, All it's right. In, yeah, uh, okay. Courtney, why don't you go ahead and start it out? Okay. I um I just don't think that the dragons can be trusted, and I don't think that in like a negative sense. I think that in a very natural sense because the dragons are like the last of their species, and I think that first and foremost they're going to go for like self-preservation, and they're just gonna kind of aim for um 
like whoever can really help them to further their species and Merlin is the last dragon lord and I think that is a big part of the reason why the great dragon um obviously is under his control but I think the little guy the little white nugget of a dragon Athusa um I think that he senses it I don't know if it's a he or she can't remember um probably gonna say it's he um senses a lot of power in Morgana and um I don't know, probably has some, I don't know, we'll see if it's loyal to her or not. Who knows if she's another lady of the dragon. Would it be a dragon lord or a dragon lady? I don't know. Um, but I just don't think that they can be trusted to be loyal to Merlin. Okay. Okay. Sarah, what are your thoughts? Um, I actually really don't know if they can be trusted. I feel as if the great dragon has been there for Merlin. He's obviously, he wants Merlin to help Arthur. He wants Arthur to become this great king. And he, basically it's to have magic, not just the dragons, but magic to be, you know, open and freely practiced throughout all of Camelot, throughout all the nations, really. Um, and so in some cases, I believe, I think that the great dragon actually I think the Great Dragon actually does have, he does have the Merlin, like, as far as, like, I just, I feel as if the Great Dragon, um, like, he really does have Merlin's, like, best interests at heart. He wants, I think he actually does have a certain fondness for Merlin, and it's more than just Merlin being his dragon lord, but we saw in the episode when Merlin freed the Great Dragon, how he went on a rampage, um, on Camelot, and how... Um, Merlin had to go find his father and um, become the dragon lord for in order to tame the great dragon. But um, in that sense, like I knew, like when the great dragon was like, "You have to free me," that he wasn't entirely there for Merlin. But at the same time, I feel that he does have um, Merlin's interest in like the future of Camelot and Aldean. Um, he does have those best interests at heart. For Ayuthsa, Ayuthsa, or whatever, the white dragon, the little baby dragon, I feel as if he's just innocent, that he really doesn't know what he's doing, and he just came across Morgana and just saw her and saw that, you know, she felt that she had a magical presence, and so he just wanted to, he just wanted to preserve her. Like, I really don't think Ayuthsa knows what he's doing. He's such, a, such a little, he's just a baby dragon. Like, I just, I don't feel... I don't think. He's so he cute. He is. And oh I mean, you just look at his face and how, like, or how the animators, like, pictured it and how happy he is, and he's, like, singing to, like, Morgana. Like, I don't think that he knows what's going on. Maybe he does. Maybe the dragons have this great knowledge and they know everything, you know, when by, the, like, the first time, moment they're born. You also have to keep in mind, though, that, like, Mordred was a little kid, too, but he could do some pretty big kid magic. Well, that's true. That's true. And... I was so hoping Mordred, I, I don't know, I, I knew that Mordred had to be evil, but I, I, I have a saying, I really wish that Morgana actually didn't turn to the dark side. I really, really didn't want that to happen, because it would just be awesome if they had, like, Arthur and Gwen, and then Merlin and Morgana, and they're, like, you know, fighting against the world, and they, Mer, like, Merlin would have, like, a person he could share his magic with, I don't know. I just... I don't like the idea of Morgan Le Fay being bad. 
<laughs> Even though that's how a lot of legends depict her. I can see a, that. a lot of legends depict her as being evil, but there are some that actually don't depict her as evil. I'm kind of still skeptical on the whole thing, just because I feel like the Great Dragon always has some sort of secret agenda that he's working on um, behind the scenes. I feel like there's something... I mean, they they haven't gone into detail with his whole significance because he's been around forever, and he knows he's kind of, he's like a prophet. He knows what's going to happen in the future, and he knows what's supposed to happen. And I feel like, even though it seems like he's helping Merlin, I think everything he encourages Merlin to do somehow will benefit him in the future. And I, the only reason I think this is just because there's been so many. Well, there's been at least a few examples in the past where. Merlin's thought that he's doing something to help out the dragon or something that will help out himself, and it turns out to be something that the dragon tricked him into doing. Um, the biggest time being when he, the dragon convinced him to be released, and then he just kind of went on a rampage. But the dragon's always kind of had him do some things that would benefit the dragon as well as himself, and um, I don't... I, it hasn't really been challenged yet, but we've seen... Merlin use, I guess you'd say, dragon speak, and, uh, there was one time where he commanded the dragon, I can't remember what he commanded him to do, but something that the dragon didn't want to do, but the dragon had to do, um, but I almost feel like it's possible for the dragon to not listen to him, and kind of get out of that whole spell of things, and I think that could happen in the future, I'm not sure what will happen, but as far as the great dragon, I just think there's so much more to him than we know, just yet um he's such just like a mystical creature that they haven't gone into great detail with that i don't know if we can really decide just yet and then the, the baby dragon um i feel like because the great dragon's watching over um ayusa that maybe the great dragon's kind of telling ayusa what to do hmm. uh I think it was significant that he gave Morgana life again, and I think maybe in this next season we'll find out why, and maybe the Great Dragon had a reason for it. I know that it's been mentioned before that Morgana and Merlin have a lot of uh, a lot of things to have happened between them, so that haven't happened yet, so maybe the Great Dragon had the Baby Dragon do that for a reason, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually whether or not that really mattered or not, but that's just my opinion. It's really, I think the dragons are one of the biggest aspects of this show that have been left in the most mystery so far. You never really find out that much about them, which I like because it gives you something to think about um, where some other elements of the show are explained quite thoroughly. So that's just my opinion, but we'll see what happens. That's an interesting, uh, that, the, yeah, sorry. I was saying that's an interesting, interesting point to think like, that the great dragon put Aethysa up to it. Like, that that's an interesting thought. Right. I, never, I didn't think about that before. Huh, okay. That, cha- that would definitely change the dynamic of everything <laughs> next season, if that yeah, was true. Yeah, absolutely. Because I just, I never, little things will happen, and you never know whether or not the dragon had something to do with it. And the dragon's always been about, like, when he helps Merlin out, Merlin owes him for something. I mean, sometimes. Lately, he hasn't been as bad about that as he was when he was in captivity, but we'll see what happens. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of skeptical at this point. But, um, while you were talking earlier, Sarah, 
Andrew called me and he's gonna try and get on. So I think we should be able to do the Lancelot one. Um, he should be on any time now. He's just driving home. But uh, I guess we can discuss now. Was there a fire? Sorry. Yeah, he was at a fire. Was there a fire? Yeah, I guess so. I'm sure he'll fill us in. All right, so we can uh, do. Uh, we'll do another one. We'll do a discussion. Actually, let's do this as a bit debate. I'm going to. All right, we'll talk about which of the knights is the most loyal. Um, we all. We all. Three and I'll give all three one. of us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll all three do it, and then if Andrew gets on while we're still doing it, I'll save Lancelot for Andrew. But uh. Courtney, you can have Percival. Sarah, you can have Gawain. Uh, and I guess I'll take Sir Leon. And then there's a few others, but we can talk about them later. I don't know. I kind of feel like... What, do you guys think that there's another one that I'm not saying that's the most loyal? I wouldn't say Wait. so. There's Elian. 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 Alien. Yeah, but he gave up. Yeah, can I do Alien? <laughs> really? He gave up the whereabouts of uh, of where they were, because he got tortured. Come on, uh, real man wouldn't give okay, that up. Okay, do Percival. Okay, but okay. <laughs> no, well, go like, ahead. What does Percival actually do? Go ahead. Do? Percival's just the man. But anyway, yeah, you can do Alien. <laughs> go ahead. All right. So whoever who wants to start? Okay. Uh, I'll I'll start for Gawain. Okay. Um. So, okay. Reasons I think. Gwen has always had Arthur and Merlin's back. You get the sense that he's actually a really good friend to Merlin, but he's very, very loyal for Arthur in the sense, I mean, they all would die for Arthur, but he he saved Arthur's, um, he saved Arthur and Merlin in that tavern when we first see Gwen, and he didn't even know who they were. Um, he just noticed that, you know, some people are... Some people are being outnumbered at this bar, so he, you know, he decided to help them. I just feel like under his really rough exterior, Gawain has a very compassionate and a very chivalrous heart that makes him one probably one of the most loyal knights and the most well-respected knights throughout Camelot. Um, he is a bit rash sometimes, and he doesn't always think things through, but the fact that he's willing to do anything at a spur-of-the-moment notice just makes his loyalty show even more in anything that um, Arthur decides to do. So, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, I guess I'll go next. Sir Leon. Well, I think uh, throughout, and this has been since the first season of Merlin, I think Sir Leon's the longest known knight on the show. Am I right about that? I'm pretty sure none of you're, the other ones were right. around in the first you're season. Correct. Yeah, you're right, right about okay. that. Okay. And... I think the first season or two, you never, I mean, you knew his name, but he was never really focused on, but he was always like Arthur's right-hand man, and whenever Arthur needed something done, he would tell Sir Leon to, to command whoever needed to be commanded or whatever, and and he would do it, and he was always there, he's always right in the front of the battle, like you always see him in most of the fights, right up in front, um, very fearless, he's never afraid to sacrifice his life if he needs to for Camelot. And he's always, he's just always there, and he always knows what to do in those situations where, where some of the other knights just, because each, I feel like each one of the knights has their own specific characteristic that, that really, um, highlights who they are. I mean, you look at Percival, and Percival's just a lot of brawn. I mean, he's got heart, but he's, 
he's he's really focused on like you know you see a lot of scenes of him throwing people around or moving like he rolls a boulder down the cliff in that one scene just things like that and then Elian's always been kind of like uh I always see him as kind of the younger knight the more misunderstood knight he's always um I don't know he's always kind of getting himself into a little bit of trouble or making a mistake and then uh you look at Sir Leon and he's always just kind of been the guy that knows what to do and naturally knows to take charge I feel like he's if Arthur wasn't there, I feel like he would be the knight that would be in charge of the other knights. I think they all respect him enough that that's how it works. But, yeah, I just kind of think he's the one with the most experience, and he's been on the show the longest, and he's always been at Arthur's side, and he hasn't died yet, so that must say something about him. <laughs> that can be say, said about any of them. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Well, Lancelot's dead, but... <laughs> Oh my god, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's good and fine, but I actually genuinely do think that Elian is, you know, a very, very, very loyal knight. Um, and that's just proven in the sense that when, like, even in this, like, last, you know, two-part finale, um... When Morgana and Agravain are invading the castle, um, they kind of happen upon Elian at first, and he, like, won't give them any information, like, won't tell them anything, and would rather fight, um, and would rather die than, you know, give them information about that. And then when they, like, leave the castle, um, he's, like, the first person to stay and like, try to buy Arthur and Merlin some time as they, like, kind of try to flee Camelot. Um, and in the end, he does get himself captured um, and tortured into telling um, some truths. But I'm pretty sure that any of the knights would have given in under that excruciating amount of pain. Um, I think that Elian, even just the fact that, like, when Arthur banished Gwen, their brother and sister, like, he still stayed loyal to Arthur. Like, he still stayed in Camelot, even though, like, Arthur just banished his sister. Um, so and, I just thought that was, like, really intense. And broke her heart. <laughs> yeah, and broke her heart. I mean... I don't know what that says about him as a big brother, but as a knight, I would say he's pretty darn loyal. <laughs> hmm. Alright. I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of feel like... Elian's always... You guys are speechless at my um, argument. No, I was I was lost in thought. Uh, <laughs> he's owned like, out. He's owned out. He just made some mistakes. He wasn't paying I attention. I listened. I did. But you look at, like, a couple episodes ago when he, after listening to what they said, decided to drink out of the water at that druid camp. Like, why? Why did okay, he do that? Sir Leon, and he just though, some it... foolish mistakes. That... Sir Leon has had some blemishes what? on his record, too. I mean, like, Lamia? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, all the knights took a thing to Lamia. Like, come on. Not, any, not all of them are, like super saints or whatever. I just see, like, Elian yeah, just gets yeah, picked I on guess. a little more because he is the brother of Guinevere. So, all the, much more things happen to him than anybody else. 
Right. Because <laughs> it, it just adds another depth, another yeah. layer. But I'm yeah. just playing. I'm just playing devil's advocate, so you know, it all works out. Um, I was hoping Andrew'd be on by now to uh, give us a point on that one, but uh, I'm trying to think here. Lancelot. I feel like Lancelot. It's kind of hard to not argue that he's not loyal, considering he gave his life uh, so that Arthur could stay alive, and that's kind of the biggest sacrifice you could make. So. Lancelot's kind of a hard one to, to say isn't one of the most loyal knights. I don't know if you guys agree. I would definitely say he is the most loyal I actually knight. Think per- <laughs> I actually think... Uh, you think like, Percival? No, okay, I don't know. I think they're all very loyal, um, and I don't think that you can really measure loyalty, but Percival, if you think about it, he just, like, came, popped out of nowhere one episode, and he just said, I'm going to follow you. Like, I'm just going to follow Arthur. He didn't have to know who he was. He didn't have to see him in battle. He just... Who is it? He accompanied, like, Leon or something. Or or was it Elian? He accompanied Elian. And he just decided, you know, I'm I'm just going to follow Arthur. And I think that's that's pretty, pretty gutsy. I mean, to follow somebody that you've never seen in action. Um, he just decided to do it. So I just... I, trying to throw out a little, you know, kudos to Percival. I think that he's just very faithful in the sense that he doesn't really have to know why he just does it. Right. Well, I think uh, Arthur's got a great bunch of knights around him, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in this next season. And I'm curious to see if any of them will die or what will happen. Um, But I think we should save whether or not Lancelot should return until Andrew's back, just because I know he'd really oh. like to discuss that one. Oh, he just signed there he is. On. Perfect. <laughs> All right, so we are now back, and Andrew has joined us. He just got back, and he'll explain to you where he's been. I've been choking on smoke, sweating my pits off, and fighting fighting fire. <laughs> Alright, yeah, that's where I've been, so long story short. Alrighty. And you actually came on just in time. I hope you brought your brain with you because it's time for you to do a little debate with Sarah. Well, yeah, I brought, I brought it minus a few what? cells. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm good. We're going to debate whether or not Lancelot should return in the next season. Andrew, you're going to be for his return, and Sarah, you're going to be against Alrighty. How's that sound, that Andrew? That sounds absolutely perfect. Uh, and we'll s- so that Andrew can get his bearings, we'll start out with Sarah. <clears throat> oh, why? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, Lancelot should not return. I-, I actually really believe that he should not return. I I'm kind of a person that really doesn't like so much drama to happen. I feel as if Lancelot coming back would just be another stick thrown into the Guinevere and Arthur relationship, and Lancelot had a great exit. You, you can't deny, like, in the season uh, opener, or series opener, it was just perfect. It showed how noble he was, and how much strength he had as a person and a character, and it showed, like, he was willing to, like, live, like, lay down his life for um, Arthur. 
And then when he comes back, like, I'm glad they somehow revived him <laughs> for um, the whole love triangle to kind of be thrown in there and to see, to show how Guinevere does become unfaithful to Arthur. But I love how they played it off and how really Guinevere was kind of under a spell. It was Morgana's doing. Um, it wasn't Guinevere. And it, their love is still pure and strong. I just feel like bringing Lancelot back would be redundant repetitive and totally not needed. Um, I know he plays a big part in Arthur and Legend about how he he's just led in battle and his bravery is shown, but I feel as if his bravery has been shown and bringing him back just, it would be extra. It wouldn't really further the plot along, it would just be extra. And he just had such a good exit and we got to know him, and I, I feel as if we know him as a character, even though we didn't really get to see him in many episodes. Um, but I just feel bringing him back would be unnecessary. Oh, that was okay. a very yeah. well-thought-out argument, I thought. And despite the fact that I have smoke rolling in my brain right now, <laughs> I still think I can uh, I can uh, defend this. Uh, what I think about Lancelot personally, not only is he the best... Kniggit on the show, but um, <clears throat> I think well, maybe like you said, uh, he had a good exit and everything. But even in his last episode, when they brought him back, I mean, he was only a shade. You know, he was just a shadow of his former self. And yeah, he had that one brief uh, thank you moment to Merlin. But I mean, that was it. And I didn't. Really, I don't really think. Uh, you know, just the amount of you know the the huge role he plays in Arthurian legend. I mean, that just does, I don't think that's enough to fulfill, you know, what the, yeah, sure, they've put quite a bit about him in the show, but I mean, I'm not nowhere near the amount, you know, he, he's done in the, the actual Arthurian legend. I mean, he's one of the critical knights of the round table. You know, he, he plays a role in, you know, so many tales of the other knights in, in their development. And I just mean, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, Besides that, I mean, he's one of Merlin's, you know, really true friends. You know, I don't think Merlin has enough of those to begin with. And uh, so, I really mean, yeah, he did. He has had some. They have done some credit to his character, I think. But definitely, as far as the impact he has and the actual actions he's done, I think they could definitely use a lot more in there. And I sincerely hope they bring him back because he's really one of the essentials to you know, Arthurian legend overall. And I think he still has a lot more he could add to the show. And I mean, there would be some drama, yeah, but, um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, that was a huge part of the legend too, was an actual somewhat romance between Gwen and Lancelot. And it wasn't just Gwen being under a spell either. You know, there was an actual, you know, love there. And we saw that, you know, briefly for a couple of episodes, but that didn't really develop at all. And I, I know that's extra drama and everything, but uh, shows like these, you know, a lot of people like, uh, like us, I'm assuming a lot of people who watch the show really like drama too. So, I mean. Right. I think the biggest issue would be how they would ever spin it off and be able to bring him back on the show, yeah. like how they would explain that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we all love Lancelot. There's no doubt about that. Everyone would love <laughs> to see him come back. Well, besides Sarah, maybe, but um, <laughs> I uh, I understand where she's coming from. I think Arthur could use him on the on the round table. I think he's more needed 
in a role of battle, then they really need him to come back and cause more issues between Arthur and Gwen. But it it was sad to see him go, and I think people really loved him so much on the show that it's yeah. going to be hard for the producers not to put him back in the show. So we'll see what well, happens, I guess. But If he does come back, then I hope it's after Merlin reveals that I will agree him. with you there. I feel like that's really yeah. the only... Yeah. It would solve a lot of problems, because... Because then Merlin could just say, well, I knew back then that he was a shade. That really wasn't, you know. I was just thinking, like, it's problematic, yeah. like, having him but come back. Because it's like, he yeah. he just had an affair with Guinevere. And that caused her to be banished. And then, you know, it'd just be so problematic. But I, I don't think he's going to come back next season. Unless they reveal that Merlin has magic. But even then, I hope he doesn't come back next season. Because that well, would just um... be too fast. Well, I, I really, I like. I hope he comes quick. back soon, no matter what. But I will agree. I do agree with you, Sam. At one point, I hope he does. After <laughs> Merlin reveals he has magic, because I mean, yeah, I don't know. It would be kind of complicated if he came back before and Merlin kind of had to explain the whole shade thing to somebody. Or yeah, that that, that would that would get a little complicated. But he, he, even if he does come back before Merlin reveals himself, yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. So. I can go either way on that one. Well, very, very good discussion. Um, we're actually, like, at an hour 20, basically, now, so uh, <laughs> it's a good time to cut it off. Especially, <laughs> I, I know, I, me and Andrew have work tomorrow, so do you have work tomorrow, Courtney? Not until um, night. Yes. Are you more of a night worker? Yeah, not yeah. until, like, night. All right, well. Yeah, I'm more of a, like, work until 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll save that other Same. segment. Um. But uh, yeah, that was a good discussion, and I think I think there's a lot more to come with Lancelot, but that's just my opinion. So, in closing, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Now that we're done with this season of Merlin, that means that uh, we have a couple months before the next season actually starts up. So we've got some neat things planned in these next few months. Um, I know we'll do one episode on strictly what we're hoping to see in the next uh the next season that'll probably be closer to when the next season's going to come out uh we'll cover um our favorite episodes of this season our favorite episodes of all time and i'd like to do a few shows where we actually each choose our favorite episode of all time and do a recap and kind of discuss the episode like we do with these from some of the, um some of the episodes from some of the earlier seasons because we've never covered those so i think that that would be another neat thing that we could do and who knows what else we'll throw in there so i'm looking forward to it and i think there's a lot of fun stuff to come uh in closing if you could all go to our twitter which is at the merlin cast we have Lots of new things coming up on there. Our episodes are released on there, and we always update when we're recording and when the next episode's coming out. So it's a great great way to find out what's going on with Merlin Cast. You can also like us on Facebook, and that's connected to our Twitter, so it's kind of the same thing. You can get our whole feed on there. Um, if you visit our website, uh, www.merlincast.blogspot.com, uh, you can get our RSS feed. You can find links to all our episodes. I'm actually going to work on our website this uh, this week and try and add some new things to it, get a little more on there, so there's a lot more to check out on there. Uh, please, please send us an email at 
G well, it's the Merlincast at gmail dot com and you're more than welcome to send us any questions, comments, anything at all about Merlin, anything at all about things in general. You can ask us anything and we'd be more than happy to talk about it on the show. Uh go to iTunes and you can subscribe to us there, you can rate and review us and we actually have been doing quite well since we came back. Our our reach has went up quite a bit, so I know there's a lot of new listeners listening now, so if you're listening now and you're new, welcome, and we're happy to have you listening. So, I think that's just about it. Does anyone else have anything to add? Please, please email in. Please email in your comments or your opinions about the debate questions that we definitely covered. I think it'd be really cool to hear what other people have to say about the great dragon and who is the most loyal knight and whether or not Lancelot should return. So please, please email in and, and like us email on in Facebook your opinion too. about this. <clears throat> right. And right. <laughs> Yep. Uh I know Andrew was only on for like ten minutes, but that's that's not his fault. He had a fire to fight, so I'm sure next episode he'll be on for longer and hopefully uh Matt will be on too. We didn't really hear from him tonight, but you never know what'll happen, so <laughs> Yeah, totally understandable. But um, yeah. So good job, Andrew. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will be on again next week. I'm hoping so. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.